0: Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Doug Tyrrell, History and Comment. Hello friends, I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. The English Parliament declares in 1534 that King Henry VIII and all following English kings will be the head of the Church of England, supplanting the Pope. This move was unique in Europe and was the essence of much of English troubles over the next two centuries. Spain acquires Louisiana from the French in 1762. The region is defined as the Mississippi River drainage west of the river itself, the same area the U.S. will purchase in 1804 from the French. In 1791, the native Indians assault U.S. forces on the western frontier at the time near Fort Recovery, Ohio. The Battle at Wabash was the greatest defeat of U.S. forces by the Indians. The Indians had a slightly smaller force, but the U.S. casualties... Killed, wounded, and captured was more than 920 of a total force of 1,400. We hear a lot in the news of how racist present-day America is, and that is a complete falsehood. In terms of other countries and America in the past, this is a pretty welcoming place for outsiders. In 1885, citizens of Tacoma, Washington, rise up and drive out Chinese residents, burning their homes and businesses without physical violence against the people themselves. The reasoning was much the same argument that had been levied against all immigrant populations. They tend to cluster, they are different, and they are often willing to work for low pay, sending the extra money back home. Despite historical resistance to large groups of immigrants, America is still a land of opportunity and a highly prized destination for oppressed people from around the world. The first U.S. automobile show opens at Madison Square Garden in New York City, The year is 1900. There are 160 different models on display with electric, steam, and internal combustion power. Popularity was in that order. We rarely think of what horse traffic in the city like New York could be in terms of logistics. In the late 19th century, there were between 170,000 and 200,000 horses to serve the city's transportation needs. They produced an estimated 450,000 tons of manure, 21 million gallons of urine, and 15 billion flies. New Yorkers were quite interested in a new conveyance that solved these issues. During the week-long show, 48,000 people viewed the offerings. A first-class letter cost three cents in 1917. Adjusted for inflation, it should be 67 cents today. Maybe the Postal Service is right. They need money. Clarence Birdseye markets frozen peas in 1952. Birdseye had once worked as a fur trader in Labrador and found that fish froze quickly when caught and retained their fresh flavor and texture when thawed months later. He applied the rapid freezing idea to vegetables and we still purchase Birdseye frozen products today. The Wizard of Oz is first shown on television in 1956, 17 years after its theater debut. November the 3rd is the first day in the window for federal elections. November was picked early on as it was after harvest and before winter fully set in. It was understood that in rural areas, a person might need to travel overnight to get to a polling place. Mail-in ballots were not considered an option, nor was early voting. The day was fixed as the second Tuesday after the first Monday of November, making the window from the 3rd to the 8th. There have been a number of presidents elected on this day, as will be true for the next seven days. Our elections have become a complete joke on several fronts. Lowering the voting age to 18 was questionable, as in the vast majority of cases, they're not mature enough to make a solid decision. But the argument was the Vietnam-era draft. It sounded logical to say if you could be drafted, you should be able to vote. That sounded somewhat reasonable. Until you consider, it was not believed in the 18th century, when 18-year-olds were far more mature than is largely true today. Then there are the issues of apathy. Voter turnout is extremely low in any election. We have the most open government in the world, yet Americans don't seem to care enough to be bothered. If they do manage to show up, the bias on how they vote is horribly skewed towards the policies that are beneficial in the short term and have taken the U.S. closer and closer to rule by elites that are more socialist than purveyors of freedom and liberty. Roosevelt was elected to four terms. His policies, rather than solve the Great Depression, exacerbated it, prolonging it for the better part of a decade. Today, he's still lauded by folks who would like to do the same for the country. And sadly, we will disdain the Dutch for purchasing Manhattan for a few trinkets while doing the same thing, believing we are getting treasure. Americans are trading freedom for a few dollars of our own money being handed back to us. If the president's address last night did not make you a bit nauseous, you may want to take a long look in the mirror. George Orwell would have called the entire thing Newspeak. Soviet Pravda paled in comparison. The Democrat Party has worked tirelessly for the last nine decades to steadily march the U.S. towards a socialist society, a system that's failed every turn to fulfill the grand promises it has made, while at the same time bringing nothing but misery and shortages anywhere it's been fully implemented. But back to the election. There are a few simple concepts that need to be put into place nationally. Paper ballots were difficult to deal with and fraught with problems, but they were highly secure and provide a trail that could be verified. The move towards more and more electronics have solved those issues, but introduced a complete new set of greater issues. The idea of a voting window and more mail-in ballots likewise have reduced confidence. Lives today are no more difficult than the 1820 farmer who had to travel by horse and make an overnight trip, but they have introduced issues that have been the focus of the news media and contentious elections the last few cycles. It does not breed confidence when in close elections, mysteriously, more ballots are found in the wee hours of the morning, and the shift is nearly always in one direction. The count for all types of ballots should be known when the polls close. The deadline for mail-in ballots should be far enough in advance they are in when the polls close. Doing otherwise is a recipe for fraud. Electronics are nice and beneficial in many cases, but voting machines should be able to print out a hard copy spreadsheet that identifies how each voter voted and the machine and precinct. There should be a strict method to handle this data and a chain of custody. Any breach and the votes are thrown out. Voting machines should never be on a network, nor require additional data processing, and certainly not by a contractor or non-local government agency. Voter IDs should be a requirement. Now, in my local precinct, it's small enough, and often the poll workers know me by sight. That is ideal. Beyond that, we need a secure method to ensure no one is voting more than once, or when or where they're not eligible. Not a single thing I've outlined is biased towards one side or the other, yet one party is highly resistant to these simple measures. Ask yourself why. Be the intelligent adult you claim to be. In order to have a free society where the people have a large part, the people need to put in some effort into the process. Sadly, the people are letting the process run itself, hoping for a good outcome. That's History and Comment for the third day of November. I'm Doug Terrell. I'll go do something worth remembering.